Well, as, uh, as Tony was saying, this is the first Sunday of the new year. We are uh, in 2024 and headlong into it. I know that last week we, we got to hear uh, from a guest preacher. Uh, we got to hear from Houston Murillo from uh, Farmington First, and he brought a, a New Year's message to us, and we're grateful to Farmington First and their partnership with us as we enter into that this year. Uh, you know, it's going to take a little bit for everything to kind of fully start rolling with that, uh, but we're grateful for that. We're also making headway on uh, selling uh, the Yellow House, and so we're excited to see what the Lord will do, uh, at least not only in the terms of our ministry, but our facilities for this following year. Um, we're grateful for His provisions and all of that. Uh, so if you got your Bibles, turn to John chapter 6, verses 16 through 21. We're going to be uh, talking about uh, facing unexpected storms this morning. And, uh, you know, when I was younger, uh, I, I drove several vehicles. My friends used to make fun of me because by the time I was 20 years old, I had like four different cars in that span. I had, pretty, I had, more, I had less cell phones than I had different vehicles I drove in that time span because I would drive my dad's truck for a little bit. Then I drove a, a 95 Jeep Wrangler I named Carlos, and he had a Facebook page and everything. Actually, I think the Facebook page is still active. You can find old conversations between Carlos and I from when I was a teenager. I apologize when you see those, but they're still there. You gotta love the internet. Um, but one of the things that, uh, and, and if you've ever seen Jurassic Park, it's the exact same Jeep from that movie. It's got the same color, just doesn't have the logo on the side. Uh, but the difference between um, the, the Jeep in that movie and, and my Jeep was I had a hard top and not a soft top. If you don't know what that is, a hard top is basically like the top of a Jeep that you have to screw in. Like it's not one you can just go, oh, it's going to rain today. I'm going to back in and put it on real quick and then leave. Uh, I would have to pick seasons when I had to ensure that it was okay to keep the top of the Jeep off while I was driving, knowing that I would still have to face weather. And so uh, I was stubborn and I would always take it off way too early in the year, like March during baseball season. And I would always have to wear like a coat and a hat while I was driving in the morning because it's always so cold. But one of the things that I began to learn about driving a Jeep, and maybe some of you all know, know this, is that it rains. And if you have a vehicle that doesn't have a roof and it rains, what happens? You get wet. And so for a time, unexpected storms were always something that I had to deal with regularly. Because even if I planned for it, I still never properly planned for it fully, no matter how much wisdom and advice I got from my parents. So eventually what I ended up doing was I ended up keeping a poncho in the Jeep. So anytime that it would rain, I would put the poncho on and drive. And you always knew when I was unprepared for a storm because you'd see me driving down the road with my clear little poncho covering my body, ensuring that nothing got wet. So uh, that's how I faced my unexpected storms in that Jeep. And in 2024, you're going to face unexpected storms. I think back to 2020, for example. Uh, this time in 2020, uh, Victoria and I were planning a Discipleship Now weekend at the church that we were serving in Warren. And th in fact, we had to have conversations of whether we were possibly going to postpone or cancel because the flu was so bad at that point. Now, I think we can presume now what that actually was, but everybody was getting sick and it was... Everyone had to stay home, and, or, and we had people that were getting knocked out left and right. Joshua at the time was in the hospital during that season, and so it was kind of very unexpected. And then all of a sudden, in March, everything in our world shifts and changes, and then we enter into the pandemic. But when it came to that January, 
most of us would have never known that the rest of the year was going to look incredibly different. And even now, our world really has, has changed a lot of their norms from that season of life. And so we don't know what each year has, to, has in store for us. In January of 2020, I didn't know what that year had in store for us. I didn't know we were going to move back to Northwest Arkansas. I didn't know that we were going to uh, be in an Airbnb for a couple months until we bought our first home. I, I had no idea that our year was going to turn out like that. I had no idea I'd be working with Pastor Eric again at Ridgeview. And just so many unexpected things happen. And every single year, we can do all that we can to plan and prepare and to figure out, okay, do we have all the provisions we need? Are we planning out everything that's going to happen? But, but we just don't know. Things unexpectedly are going to happen to you in 2024. We cannot avoid it. But my hope for us this, is this morning is this, is that we can look at how we can face unexpected storms. And my hope is as we look at this passage, you will be better equipped than I was with a poncho and a Jeep. So... <laughs> Anyways, let's read John chapter 6, verses 16 to 21. John chapter 6, 16 to 21 says this. When evening came, his disciples went down to the sea, got into a boat, and started across the sea to Capernaum. It was now dark, and Jesus had not yet come to them. The sea became rough because a strong wind was blowing. When they had rowed about three or four miles, they saw Jesus walking on the sea, coming near the boat, and they were frightened. But he said to them, It is I, do not be afraid. Then they were glad to take him into the boat, and immediately the boat was at the land to which they were going. Will you pray with me this morning? Gracious Heavenly Father, we, th- we are thankful for you. We are thankful for today. God, we know that this year, and God, really any time and any season, we will face unexpected storms. God, not just physical ones like we saw last Friday, but God's spiritual ones. Ones in which the sin of our world is evident in our lives. God, whether it is the consequence of sin that we have or the consequence of a broken and fallen world, God, there are things that we are going to have to endure in this world. Suffering, heartbreak, disappointment just overall really difficult seasons of life. But God, we know that through all those things, through every unexpected and expected storm, Father, you are still God, and you are always good. I pray this morning as we look at what it looks like to face unexpected storms that we would be reminded, Father, that unexpected storms are not unexpected to you. And God, that you walk with us in every storm that we endure. God, I pray whether we are in an unexpected storm now or whether we are in a season of life where things seem calm and peaceful, God, I pray regardless of season that we are trusting you and that we seek to honor and glorify you in all that we do. So God, we thank you for this morning. We thank you for who you are. It's your son's holy and precious name we pray. Amen. So in this story, the story takes place shortly after Jesus had fed the 5,000. Now, at surface level, if you look at this story and don't consider the other accounts that are written in the New Testament, it looks like the disciples just ditched Jesus. 
like they got tired of waiting for Jesus to come down from the mountain and they said, all right, it, uh, we're, we're done with this. It's time to go. And uh, so they get on this boat and we don't know how long Jesus was there on the mountain specifically, but in the other accounts, it's really not too terribly long. And it looks like they just left him out the dry. And I'll be, I'll be honest, some of us think, oh yeah, we never would do something like that. Well, maybe a few of us have. I know for sure I have. When I was uh, younger uh, as well, a bunch of us went on a, a big like float trip. And uh, we were coming back up the hill, you know, you load up all your stuff and then you get in the bus and you go back to the facility where you rent things out. And we were turning in all of our equipment and, and I realized, hey, we're missing somebody. And we had left our friend Daniel at the bottom of that hill for him to walk all the way up by himself. And we had his phone, we had all the stuff. He was walking up in little flip-flops. And uh, just to say, he was not very happy with us whenever he, uh, he came and saw us. Now, I think that, that he and I are still are in a good place today, but that was not a good day. Uh, but the disciples were not crummy friends like we were at that time, uh, but instead they were sent by Jesus. They were sent by Jesus. They didn't just leave him. They didn't abandon him. They didn't leave him there on the mountain and, and go pick him up later. They were sent by Jesus. And, and this is where it's important to see how others share this story, because the story is found not just in the Gospel of John, but in Mark and Matthew as well. So in Mark chapter 6, verses 45 through half of 52, it says this. Immediately he made his disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side. At Bethesda, where he dismissed the crowd. And after he had taken leave of them, he went up on the mountain to pray. And when evening came, the boat was out on the sea, and he was alone on the land. And he saw that they were making headway painfully. So in Mark's account, and in Matthew as well, Jesus is the one who sends them out. They didn't just leave him. They didn't just abandon him. They didn't consider, oh, Jesus is still on the mountain. We probably should wait for him. No, they were sent by Jesus. Now, here's what's interesting about Mark's account, though. If you look at verse 48 at the beginning of it, because we don't have the whole verse on here. It says, and he saw that they were making headway painfully. So Jesus saw what was happening. He saw their struggle. And beyond that, Jesus knew he was sending them out to a storm. Jesus knew that he was sending the disciples out in the middle of a storm. See, these men didn't know it, but Jesus did. We know that Jesus is God, and God is sovereign, and God knows all things and is in control of all things. And we know that Jesus, being equal with God, knew that the storm was happening, but yet he still sent his disciples. He gave them no warning. He gave them no preparation for what was to come. Knowing there was a storm, he still sent them. Why? Why is this significant? Why is it that Jesus would knowingly send these men out to a raging storm? Because Jesus had a purpose for them in this storm. He sent them out to test their faith. See, if Jesus would have told these men that they were going to face an unexpected storm on the Sea of, sea of Galilee, because if you look at different accounts of the Sea of Galilee and where it's at and the storms that would happen, 
the storms that would hit this this or I well, really this was really more of a of a lake, not necessarily the sea. But the, there was a wind tunnel that came in from the mountains. It would cause a fierce and quick storm to happen in this area. And a lot of fishermen couldn't always predict when it was going to happen, especially when they're three or four miles out from the shoreline. And so some of these men are experienced fishermen. Some aren't. And so they are terrified of this storm. It happens very quickly. But they couldn't have known. But if they would have known, they probably wouldn't have entered the sea. See, Think about all the different storms that you've walked through, through in your life. Think about all the different difficult seasons that you've walked through, you've had to endure, you've had to suffer through. Imagine for a moment if someone came to you and told you every difficult season that you were going to face for the next year. Told you every hard thing that was going to happen to you. You and your human desires and your, your desire to not go through difficult things. You would do everything in, you, in your power to stop that. Thinking about, for example, Back to the Future with Marty McFly. It's the classic story where someone goes back in time to fix their life, to try to make it better, but then they end up making things worse. If we knew the storms that we were going to walk through before they happened, many of us would choose not to get on the boat. Many of us would choose disobedience. Many of us would choose not to go forward with something because of the difficulty we would face. So Jesus doesn't tell these men what they're about to walk through. He doesn't tell them the storm they're about to face. So I've got two points for us this morning as we walk through this passage. So if you're taking notes, maybe this will be a little bit easy for you, but the first point and the first thing I want us to look at as we look at this passage is this, is that an unexpected storm for us is, an expect, is a purposeful storm for God. Let me repeat that because I think I kind of messed up my words with that. <laughs> an unexpected storm for us is a purposeful storm for God. I think one of the biggest mistakes Christians can make in their walk with the Lord is by thanking God for blessings, but not for hard seasons. We, we naturally attribute all negative things to the devil or to the enemy and all positive things to God. So for example, Here's some positive things. Oh, you got a new job? That's great. That's awesome. If there's a new baby, a raise, you're getting better, like your health is great. Like all those are good things. We attribute all those positive blessings to God and we praise God for those things. But then we think things like death, illness, job loss, missed opportunities. And we attribute all of those to the enemy. But the reality is this, is that God is both over the positive things we receive and the negative. We are faced with a broken world because of sin, but God and His love for us allows us to experience both the highs and the lows of life. Now, that doesn't mean that the enemy doesn't have any sort of, of play in any of this, but we have to remember, as we learn from James chapter 1, that temptation of sin does not come from God, that comes from the enemy, right? But there are times that God allows us to walk through difficult things or allows us to walk through hardship so that we would grow in our love for him, our need for him, and in maturity and steadfastness. We see that lesson given to us in James chapter 1 when he talks about how we are to experience trials of various kinds with joy because of what it produces in us. There is a purpose to the storms of life, and God does not waste them. Now, it's interesting to note how terrified some of these men were of the storm. 
you know, some of them were seasoned fishermen and this was scary for them. I mean, can you imagine being somebody who does this regularly? You, you do this as your profession and this storm scares you, right? It's not like somebody who's never been on a boat before and, and, the, and the waves waver a little bit and it's scary. No, it was dark. It was terrifying. Storms at sea are a dangerous thing. And this storm in particular came unexpectedly, quickly, and it was fierce. And when you look back into history, uh, some people never liked going on a boat or a water because they actually believed it was cursed. The sea is chaotic, unpredictable, and it's vast. In fact, even today, there is much of the ocean that we still have not explored. It can be terrifying. The Israelites themselves were actually a little late to the game uh, getting their sea legs. And instead, they saw land as much safer. Land, in, in, in a general sense, is calm, it's predictable, and it's well-known. When you're on a boat, you're not in control of everything that's happening. You can form your trajectory, but you can't control everything that's going to happen. When you're on land, it's a lot more well-known, it's more calm, things can be a bit more predictable. But here's my question for you, church. Why is it that we seem to do well to trust Christ on land but fail to trust Him at sea? Why is it that we seem to do well to trust Christ on land but fail to trust Him at sea? We seem to trust God well in seasons that are calm, predictable, and well-known. It's easy to trust Christ in those seasons. Yet when we are led into a season of chaos and unpredictability, our faith wavers. But the God whom we trust is over both the calm of our life and the chaos. He is still God. And He has a purpose for the unexpected. We need to be reminded of that. Especially as we endure the storms of life. That although those things are unexpected for us, God is using those storms to shape and mold us into the image of His Son and to draw us closer to Him. So as we continue on, these men are terrified and they're in the middle of this storm and then it's dark and they see this figure in the middle of the ocean. Now, this has got to be terrifying because some of us read this story we go, well, why didn't the disciples just go, oh, it's Jesus, everything is great and okay. I mean, imagine for a moment you are at sea. You're not in the greatest of boats. They, didn't, they weren't riding on a cruise liner here. This was a little fishing boat. Back in, in the Middle East during this time, it, it didn't have motors and, and comfy seats and a roof and all this other stuff. It was a simple boat that they were riding. They were three to four miles out from the shoreline. It's dark. It's stormy. And then you see a man standing in the middle of the water at night. The only light coming from either the moon or if that's covered lightning that's hitting the water. Again, absolutely terrifying. And so there's two thoughts on this because the different accounts describe it differently. So for example, when you look at uh, verse 19, when they rode about three or four miles, they saw Jesus walking on the sea coming near the boat and they were frightened. Now, John's account doesn't go into as much detail as to what they thought beforehand, but Matthew and Mark both describe how they saw first, they thought they saw a ghost. (laughs) And again, Let's give them some grace on that. It was dark. It was scary. Their, their blood pressure is probably through the roof. Their heartbeats are crazy. I mean, if you saw a figure in the middle of the ocean while you were on a boat, you would probably think it was a ghost too, just to be fair to these guys. 
But then they realize it's Jesus in these other accounts. In John, he goes straight to Jesus. But here's the other thought. Some people think that as soon as they saw Jesus, they became calm. But Jesus had to tell them in almost every account, do not be afraid. There's something about Jesus that we often forget. We often forget that Jesus is God. The disciples often forgot that Jesus is God. And there are times where the veil of his humanity doesn't cover his deity. And these men saw the deity of God in full force and effect. And they were terrified. And, this, and, and the thing is, too, this wasn't the first time they were in, with Jesus in a very similar situation. If you, got your, if you got your Bibles, turn to Luke chapter 8, verses 20 through 25. Luke chapter 8, verses 22 through 25. This is not the first time they've been in this situation with Jesus but yet they reacted all the same. Luke chapter 8, verses 22-25 says this, One day he got into a boat with his disciples, and he said to them, Let us go across to the other side of the lake. So they set out, and as they sailed, he fell asleep, and a windstorm came down on the lake, and they were filling with water, and they were in danger. And they went and woke him, saying, Master, Master, we are perishing! And he awoke and rebuked the wind and raging waves, and they ceased, and there was a calm. And he said to them, Where is your faith? They were afraid, and they marveled, saying to one another, Who is this that he commands even the winds and water? And they obey him. This is a very similar story, but one that actually happens before the feeding of the 5,000. So imagine these men are on a boat again. There's a storm again, but the circumstances are a little different. But it's the same lesson about faith. Jesus is teaching them the same lesson in two different circumstances. And often the same thing happens to us. He is testing their faith and their trust in him. You know, because some people might think, well, as soon as they saw Jesus, or maybe if Jesus was on the boat with them, this story would have been different. But I think the way John describes this, the way Mark describes this, the way Matthew describes this, these men would have reacted all the same. They would have been terrified and their faith would have wavered at this storm they were facing. So what's the second thing we can learn from this? The second thing we can learn from this is that we do not face unexpected storms alone. We do not face unexpected storms alone. In the middle of our storms, Jesus comes to our rescue. He calmed the storm when he was on the boat with the disciples, and he went out to them this time, got on the boat, and then calmed the storm again. And he brought them exactly where they needed to be. Jesus was the one who sent them in the first place. He knew exactly what he was doing. Again, this wasn't an unexpected storm to Jesus. And he saw them struggling. And he saw them hurting. And he came to them. He told them, do not be afraid. And he met them where they were in the middle of their struggle and he provided real help. Now, what does this look like for us? How does this play into maybe the storms that we walk through? I've got a few things of the way this works, possibly with us, but there could be more. But these are the ways that I've seen it a lot, not only in Scripture, but in my own life and the life of others. The first is this. 
is that God gives us the strength and endurance to walk through hard seasons. God gives us the strength and endurance to walk through hard seasons. You know, when I say that he meets us where we are and he provides real help, a lot of us immediately turn our minds to, oh, that means Jesus delivers us from our unexpected storms. But that's not the truth. Often, God will allow us to walk through these circumstances for a reason. And we often will pray over and over and over again, God, please deliver me from this. God, please change my circumstance. God, please take me out of this season. I don't want to suffer anymore. Remember, when Jesus was in the Garden of Gethsemane and he was praying to God the Father, he said, God, if it's in your will, take this cup from me. But what did God do? He met him with silence. He didn't take the cup from him. Jesus had to go to the cross to endure what he endured. And for us, we often don't pray the right thing when we are enduring difficult seasons. Now, I don't know, I don't think it's necessarily wrong to pray that God would end a very difficult season of life. But I don't think that should be our primary prayer. Our primary prayer is to ask God for strength and endurance to get through this season. To ask God to help us in a place that we cannot help ourselves. To give us comfort in our sorrow and our suffering. There is a, a book that I read uh, last year. It was on the biblical counseling, like top three books of the year, and it's called um, Seasons of Sorrow. It, it's about a, a dad who, who lost his son very unexpectedly, and it talks about all the different seasons that he walks through in his, in his grief and his suffering. And uh, it's, 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 it's a book that if you've never experienced grief like that, it helps to give you a picture of what that looks like. And if you've walked through grief like that, then it helps to, to comfort you and to show you how God works in those things. And in reading that book, it was, it was incredible to see how the father never once asked God to take him out of the situation, but instead his prayers were consistently, God, I need help. I need help. I need help. I need comfort. And God is our great comforter. He is our redeemer. He comes to us and loves us. And even though we endure the brokenness of this world, he never leaves us or forsakes us. God gives us the strength and endurance to walk through hard seasons. We don't have to walk through them alone. The next is he gives us comfort in our sorrow and suffering. We, at times in this life, will suffer. God doesn't waste those, and he still loves us through them and offers us comfort. And the last thing he does is he may even bring people into our lives so that we don't have to face it alone. Not only does God walk with us through these difficult seasons, but there are times where he will, send, he will, he will bring people into our lives to walk in difficult situations with us, just to sit with us where we are in our brokenness. I think about all the different times that we've had unexpected encounters with people that were walking through really hard seasons of life and the way that God brought those things out. In fact, in a situation in our life, one was brought because I went to the bathroom at the same time during church at our last church. And the way that God, it's, it's a, it was a weird circumstance, but, but running into this individual in the season that they were in, it's just cool to see the way that God's provision worked in that situation. I think about in my own life, whenever I had very difficult seasons, 
living at the BCM, how God brought different men into my life that, that prayed for me, that sat with me in difficult circumstances. Like my friend Mario Moore, like that man knew how to sit with somebody in their grief. When I was hurting one day, I remember I came home to 516. Instead of asking me, hey man, what's wrong? Or, or saying, hey, how can I fix? How can I help? He said, man, can I just pray with you and just sit with you for a bit? And we sat in my room for like two hours and just cried together and prayed together. And, and that helped and comforted me so much more than, than him trying to help fix my problems. Sometimes we need people who love the Lord and know him just to pray with us and sit with us in our suffering. And God in his goodness and his love for us will often bring people into our lives that can walk through these things with us. He not only does that through the body that we are here as, as, as believers in our community, but he does that in a lot of other ways too. And so we may not always be delivered from our storms, but God will always be there to walk with us. And I love that he tells them in all three of these accounts of the story, it is me, do not be afraid. He reminds them that I am here with you. You don't need to be afraid. And then when we look at some of the other accounts, this is actually the part of the story where, where Peter goes, if you are who you say you are, because Peter didn't believe him, and Peter, Peter kind of has an attitude sometimes, but Peter basically was saying, I, uh, you know, if you are who you say you are, then have me come out with you on the water. And then Peter goes out onto the water, and he takes his first step, and things seem fine, and immediately he begins to, un he doesn't really believe, and he begins to fall into the water. And then Jesus lifts him out, and then eventually he finally gets in the water and stands on there with Jesus. But Jesus says the reason why he, he fell was because he, his faith was lacking. And for us, Jesus gives this reminder, not just to the disciples, but this is a reminder for us. When we're walking through unexpected, dark seasons of life, the storms that we face, we need to remember that we do not need to be afraid for those who belong in Christ Jesus. If we have a relationship with the Lord, we have no reason to be afraid. No matter what this world has to throw at us, no matter what health crisis, no matter what financial instability, no matter what this world has to throw at us, at the end of all these things, when we belong to God, we get to be with Him forever. As Paul states in Philippians chapter 1, to live is Christ, but to die is gain. No matter what happens, we win. And Jesus has already won. And so, we have no reason to fear when we walk through unexpected storms because the God of those unexpected storms loves us and walks with us. We have no reason to fear the unexpected when we walk with Christ. And so as you enter into 2024, you're going to walk through some storms. I hate to tell you that, and I hate to be the bearer of bad news, but you are going to. It's going to happen. Our lives are one phone call away from changing and flipping on its head. But in all things, God is still good. He is still holy. He loves you and He loves me. Will you stand with me as we have our time of invitation and prayer? God, we just pray this morning that, Father, You would help us in our unbelief. God, help us when we walk through storms. God, help us to trust you 
in every aspect of our lives, God, to both praise you in the good things and the bad things. God, we pray that you would strengthen our faith. God, we pray that you would help us to endure. God, I pray for anyone here this morning, Father, who's never trusted you, who doesn't walk with you. God, that they would put their faith in you and they would see how you can help them endure the difficult seasons of life. Because it's through a relationship with you that we never have to be afraid of the unexpected. God, I pray that you would give us strength and endurance. And God, I pray that you would be with us as we seek to serve you, honor you, and love you. We pray over this time of invitation. It's your son's holy and precious name I pray. Amen.